the slippery stone, Goodrill holds it, shoots, scores, scores! North Bay has won the division! Warrior on the back end, he scores! Pour some sugar on that one! Special delivery for Special K, and he scores! Amadio! Hey, ho, Amadio! This is the Battalion Blog Podcast with the voice of the Battalion, Matthew Sucrum. Joining me today, Tristan Fitzpatrick, who is the Country 600 CKT Between the Benches reporters, and Thomas Mercier, who's kind of just hanging out. Not really sure exactly what he does, but we're glad to have him here. Guys, thanks so much for joining me on uh, the podcast today. Not a problem. Oh, always a pleasure, Matt. And so uh, we're doing this one live from Memorial Gardens. We are about uh, two hours before our, we go on the air. Yes. So we figured we might as well get set up early and... Uh, and do the podcast here at the rink today. We just love the sound of our voices so much. We just <laughs> yeah. want to keep recording it. That's we exactly love ourselves it. that much. So, uh, Tristan, uh, uh, as always, the the part of the uh, this podcast is to really get the um, listeners like kind of an in depth view as to what goes on into the broadcast. And you're one of our guys that is actually between the benches down on the ice. So you get to see and hear a lot of stuff that. <laughs> Other people don't typically get to. What's uh, what's the experience been like for you uh, with uh, life between the benches? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, uh, you know, I have to be here much earlier than I'd like to be <laughs> at the rink, but I get to interview the coaches uh, beforehand, get their insight. I mean, uh, you know, speaking to guys like Ryan Woolhan, who, who's played at such a high level with the Grand Rapids, uh, you know, Griffin's there at the AHL level. Uh, you know he's he's played. He was a drafted NHL player. So get his his insight on the battalion uh, every time they come here is great. Uh, you know John Dean's all right as well, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and then and then to, to have uh, other coaches come here from uh, from other teams. You know George Burnett's been in the league for a long time as well uh, with the Hamilton Bulldogs. Before that, the Belleville Bulldogs as well. So to get insight from those guys and 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 really um, you know see their experience is great. Uh, so that that's the first part of my job. Uh, you know, and the second part is I get to interview the players as well before uh, before the game, uh, during the game, and that's 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 all equally as fantastic to see these young guys and uh, how they handle themselves and to kind of you know not put them under pressure in, in terms of questions, but I get to ask them questions and, and get into the mentality of what it's like to be a junior player because it's completely different to any any NHL player. Uh, you know, these guys don't don't have the kind of um, you know stability. You know, they're young as they're. Their lives are so young and their careers are just starting that the the pressure is immense to, to make the the step up and and play that. So when I get to get into that mentality and then and listen to to these guys play, uh, it's it's great to do. And um, you know, and then of course I get to be uh, I get to have the arguably the best seat in the house. But uh, to be honest, if anyone wants to point out that I have the best seat in the house, I've missed a lot of great goals <laughs> because the benches stand up and I am not six foot nine. When Riley Bruce stands up in front of me, I can't see anything. So I, to come to point, uh, Kujawinski, overtime winner in the playoffs last year, didn't see a thing. I did not see a thing. Everyone stood up, and all I heard was cheers. But so, I mean, I have a pretty good seat, but it's not always that good. I was going to say, even even up here sometimes, the way the press box is, is leveled, um, when the fans stand up for a big play, I sometimes have to have one foot up on uh, on our desk here because <laughs> of the way it's leveled here. Um, Thomas Mercier is here as well. Thomas is going to be helping us out for the rest of the season. Thomas, first of all, thanks uh, for doing that. Thanks for stepping in. No it's great to have you along. Um, going from now a fan perspective to now doing this for a couple of weeks, 
Um, and I believe tonight you're going to be shadowing Tristan down in the box there. So what's something you've always wondered about the guys that are actually down there? Uh, what's something that's always come to your mind about having to be down in that box? Um, you know, I guess just what they do, basically. So, um, you know, whenever they're on air, you wonder what they talk about, what their responsibility is. So, I mean, you're right. It's a different perspective because being in the stands, you don't hear anything. But to be at ice level, it's a much different perspective, like you said. So, you know, I mean, uh, getting to know Tommy and, of course, Tristan being in my class this year, I've been able to kind of get a better understanding of what his job is and what the responsibilities are here. So, you know, I mean, hopefully I can look to follow in the footsteps and... Uh, I think it's a really good opportunity to, uh, you know, get to understand the game a little bit better and understand it from a different perspective. Now, when you're watching or listening to uh, some of the broadcast uh, before before coming on and, and helping us out, what's something that you feel that we did well as a as a broadcast uh, team when you're listening to the game? What what's something that appealed to you that uh, kept you coming back as a listener? I mean, just the call of the game. I mean, the excitement of it all. I mean. Listening to you makes you feel like you're actually there. There's a lot of guys that make you feel like you're at the rink. You're there with them up in the booth. It's that kind of enthusiasm that makes me come back. And, I mean, you know, it's exciting hockey, of course, this time of the year. And, uh, you know, Battalion obviously pushing for their third straight playoff uh, season uh, after the uh, run at the championship in the first season and then their Eastern Conference run, which was unfortunately cut short. But, I mean, you know, it's always good to come back and obviously listen to it to get some notes, take notes, and, uh, you know, basically just try and uh, get some uh, hints and pointers and uh, try and maybe follow in their footsteps uh, time and time again. Now, you're from Sudbury. Yes, I um, am. Has your family disowned you yet because you're uh, <laughs> on the battalion broadcast? Not not yet, but my mom has disowned <laughs> me over all the battalion gear that I have yeah. sitting in my closet. But, you know, it's, it's much different hockey. I mean, battalion hockey... The hard-hitting kind of hockey, fast pace. You know, Sudbury's been struggling this year, obviously. Everybody knows that. I mean, you know, two straight seasons might be finishing dead last in the league. But, uh, you know, the transition is good. But, you know, always seeing Sudbury play against North Bay is always good. Uh, even if the season it doesn't go exactly the way you want it. But, you know, um, you know, I support both teams because they're, you know, they've had success in the past back in the centennial era. And the Wolves obviously still looking for their... Uh, playoffs to get back underway because after mm -hmm. that uh, run when Paul Fix was here, they were they were going for it with all the acquisitions. Frankie Palazzi's, right. uh, Carrick, yeah, Trevor all Carrick those guys. There, yeah. You were expecting them to make a run. It, unfortunately, it didn't happen. Uh, they lost 4-1, to one, which was unfortunate. But, you know, um, yeah, like I said, the transition between Sudbury and North Bay hockey is much different, but it, I love this kind of hockey, and it's, and it's worth spending time at the rink. And that's uh, I, I've uh, I've been officially converted now. Uh, that's right. After, Me too. Yeah, from yeah. Belleville. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Last I, wa <laughs> I watched one one Belleville Bulls game here at the Memorial Gardens last year, and uh, they they lost, and it was the only. I think I was the saddest person in the rink. But uh, <laughs> you know, after they uh, after they moved to the Bulldogs, now I'm I'm a fully uh, fully fledged battalion uh, member now. And it's a much different atmosphere here. I mean, the crowds are always great. They sold out every game in their first season, if I'm not mistaken. The atmosphere is much different compared to Sudbury. I mean, you know, considering they are struggling, I mean, Italian are kind of struggling too, but, you know, they're still finding success in their own ways. But it's a much different atmosphere. And if you're a road team walking in this building, you can get nervous sometimes. I mean, look at the playoffs. I mean, when they made the run in the OHL final, it was as live as it can be. It reminded me of uh, 2007 in Sudbury. It was a much different atmosphere, but... 
I mean, being here in North Bay to feel the atmosphere, to actually be a part of the crowd, be part of the six man, it feels great. And I, I think North Bay has some of the best fans in this league. Yeah, that's something I hear when I when I travel as well. That that North Bay fans are some of the best fans in the league. They know the game. They get on the team. In the first year, it, it seemed like a lot of fans were sitting on their hands a little bit, um, not knowing that they can make a lot of noise. And there was a lot of people, uh, media people in the community, uh, <coughs> Brian Floyd, that uh, would go on <laughs> Facebook and Twitter and be like, you know, f- you guys are allowed to cheer at a hockey game kind of thing. So, yeah, it's it's diff- it's definitely interesting to see the transition of the fan base mm-hmm. over the couple of years. And now being from Brampton, being a Brampton Battalion fan myself, um, you know, you're right, you're right, Thomas. The atmosphere is completely different because it's a more compact rink and the fans are really more on top of on top of the game. Um, and I and there's more of them there. When I would watch games in Brampton, not a ton of people there. Um, how do you guys again being from other markets, how do the two of you compare your hometown? markets and atmosphere to, to the North Bay atmosphere? Well, I know as far as Belleville goes, um, it's it's a very similar city to North Bay. Uh, when I try and explain this to people, uh, you know, they're both around 50,000. They're both hockey crazy cities. Um, and really what, what it is, is it's Belleville's a lot like North Bay was in 2003 now uh, when the Centennials had just left. And that's, that's pretty much how Belleville feels now. They're a hockey crazy city. Sure, they don't have the numbers of uh, of a London or a Kitchener that can certainly fill a rink, no matter win, lose, or or draw. That you know, the Belleville Boys were, Bulls were in a struggling point in terms of their quality on the ice, and then attendance dipped naturally as it would. But uh, anyone who says the attendance had anything to do with the team leaving is just wrong. Uh, you know, the the arena was was in not not good enough condition, and uh, with the the ice ice caps, uh, Montreal sending their AHL team to the the ice caps in, in St. Uh, Newfoundland, yeah, St. Yeah, that's St. Right. John's, yeah. it meant that there was a giant arena in Hamilton willing to fill. And, and uh, if from a business standpoint, it was an easy decision for the owners of the Bellsville Bulls to, to sell it to Hamilton. Uh, but in terms of the quality, I mean, we were talking about the fans. It's exactly the same. When you went to see Bulls games, uh, the, the way the uh, Wally Dever was set up, it was, it was right on top of you, and, and the fans were right at ice level. Uh, so it was it was a fantastic arena with a, a lot of passion, a lot of a lot of. It was a small town, hometown crowd, but they they really love their hockey, and uh, hopefully they can get it back. And you know, my my sister actually went to uh, Cambrian College for a couple of years, and uh, she said, you know, people there, and this is before North Bay got their team back. She was like, you know, people in Sudbury like two things: they like to hunt and they like to watch their wolves. <laughs> that, you're and, not wrong. She's yeah. not wrong. And, and that was basically her impression of Sudbury for the couple of years that she lived yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Sudbury is a hockey-rich town. There's, n- there's no denying that. Same with North Bay. I mean, back in the early 2000s, it was pretty much our heyday for a championship. I mean, you look at all the talent. Nick Foligno, Marcus Foligno, Mark Stahl, Eric Waddell, Patrick Lusnak, Alain Valaket. I mean, Sudbury is a very hockey-rich city, and, you know, fans are a little upset because two years in a row they're gonna miss the playoffs there's no way they'll make the playoffs this year unfortunately mm-hmm. but you know the fans just want the team to win and those that don't support the team they just you know go on with their day uh i mean it was it's kind of the same situation as back before in north bay the arena is obviously run down it's the oldest in the league uh city's been looking for a new arena they won't nobody will support it fabio belly really good friend of mine he was trying to really get a arena to go up he didn't get okay. enough votes for it 
So, I mean, we're kind of in the same situation as you guys. We have some of the support, but no one's willing to go to the games and have to pay for an arena that barely functions at all. Because, right. I mean, they've had so many problems. I remember the Sault Ste. Marie home opener, I think, two years ago. Fog completely covered the ice. And they needed to put in, they, right. they needed to put in that new system, and they had to make sure that there was enough air going around that could remove it. And, I mean, Mark Burgess, really nice guy, uh, great owner. Um, you know, a lot of people saying team needs to change hands. Mm -hmm. I, I have to agree. I mean, it's time for a change. Burgess family's been in there for, I think, 30-plus years now, mm -hmm. which is really good. But uh, if Subbury's going to want to keep succeeding and, uh, you know, keep the team in Subbury, they're going to have to try and sell locally right. and find a new arena. If if not, I I mean, same thing could happen to Belleville because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure it was a money problem and a problem with the city that wouldn't support a new arena. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot, like you said, uh, you know, a rundown arena in Belleville and uh, the team owners didn't want to pay for it and the yeah. city didn't want to pay for it. If no one's going to pay for it, it's not going to change. So, yep. yeah, it, it was a similar thing. But uh, unlike Sudbury, hopefully, uh, you know, the new owners don't move them to Hamilton and that's right. <laughs> and see, yeah. and see, that's the problem. I mean, uh, I think he's gotten a couple offers, turned them down. So um, really, they were pretty outstanding offers from what I've heard, but nothing super serious. Um, you know, I think this, the city's too rich to be moved out. Yeah. I mean, almost forty-five years in the league. You and I mean, and Peter the, pop Bro the population is there too. It's right? huge. Oh, yeah. it's the population can fill the arena yeah. easily. Yeah. If they had a new arena, they would have many bigger events. I mean, they've hosted the Super Series, I think, three times. Uh, most recent being in two thousand and thirteen, maybe two thousand twelve. They could have much different events, bigger, uh, bigger concerts. They could host a Memorial Cup if they were lucky too. They could have a lot more events. They just, I, they just have to throw the money in. They yeah. got, they got to find it somewhere. And I think there's this independent, independent business that's willing to build a new arena. But I mean, you know, nothing, nothing's written in stone. Mm -hmm. it, it's not for sure. Just you know. It, who knows what's going to happen with uh, the city in a new rink? Well, you mentioned concerts, bigger concerts. The fact that they actually get concerts is is one thing, which I, the yeah, city exactly. of North Bay can't say uh, themselves. I know I... Yeah, they've had a couple of huge concerts there. Kisses played there. Marilyn Jeff Dunham Manson. was just there, and I was there. Great concert, but you know that arena can't yeah. support big acts like that. Because I thought when Kiss went, they were going to burn the place down with all their pyrotechnics. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to have a better arena. I mean, this place is somewhat capable of hosting big events. I mean, uh, I think they had Finger Eleven here well before the renovations a long while ago. I mean, this city is capable of having a really nice arena. I mean, yeah. for the renovations and all the money they spent on this place, it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the the arena is beautiful. I remember it back in the Skyhawks era days. It was really old, the wooden seats and everything before Hockeyville came to town. It it was it was crazy. I mean, this place could host great events. I mean, yeah. population is slightly less than Sudbury, but I think they're able to to uh, hold that capacity. Yeah, and it's funny you brought up that game where the fog um, uh, basically canceled the game i remember being in the studio with brian floyd that night um this is before i was doing the play-by-play -play, the full time so brian and i were in studio and every intermission and during the post game show we made fun of the Subbury arena and i wish i kept the tape because it was like brian was on a roll that night he was <laughs> making so many jokes and I wish I had that day. I'm going to try and find it. Um, I mean, but that brings me full circle to uh, the in-studio stuff, Tristan. Um, how are you finding it? What do you like about uh, that aspect of the job? I know when I was there, I enjoyed it. Obviously, I wanted to be on the road with the team, but I still, 
I, I enjoyed being in the studio. It's fun just to hear the game and then, you know, you, you get control of the intermissions and you get to talk about what you want. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's completely different in every aspect of what I do between the ben benches. Uh, you know, I don't interview anybody. I don't get any insight. I'm not there. There's no atmosphere when you're in the when you're at the studio. It's very, very different. But all the same, I enjoyed it just as much. Um, you know, I have two uh, now three guys wonderful to work with: uh, Tommy Wong, uh, Liam Birdie, and, and now Thomas Mercier helping me out as well there. And I really get to pick their brains as well, which is what I love to do. Uh, you know, I get to, to get the, from their experience watching the battalion playing hockey themselves, and uh, you know, we get to really dive deep on some issues. It's, it's uh, you know we don't necessarily have time for it a home game, uh, so those first intermission periods are are some really great breakthrough time where uh, you know we can really dissect things. I remember just a couple of weeks ago, yeah, myself and Liam Birdie went went through uh, Cam Deneen and, and his NHL prospects and and the likelihood of him getting drafted and all that kind of stuff. And you know that that's great to get that kind of platform to talk about something and the important issues around the team on the road is fantastic and uh you know to be in control of it's also nice as well but yeah. uh yeah like i said liam birdie and tommy wong they they do a fantastic job of, of being prepared and uh, the topics we talk about it's uh yeah it, it's really cool it's uh it's almost like a a road show plus uh you know a featurette on, on yeah. the italian yeah now i i and i said as i said before i used to be down uh, between the benches as well um, one of my favorite moments down there was the first game of the 2014-2015 season when they got to raise the uh, division and Eastern Conference banners to the rafters. It was really cool to be down there watching the reaction, uh, you know, hearing what some of the guys were saying on the bench for that moment. Uh, what about for, for yourself, Tristan? Any, any moments that really stand out from you being – I know you got to meet Ron McClain down there. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I mean, uh, yeah, I Meeting, you know, no disrespect to Ron McLean, he's an absolute legend. Uh, that was really cool. But that was something that, that was unexpected. And, uh, you know, the, be the best, I I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to say two things. Uh, one, when the Erie Otters came in town last year, uh, one of the best individual performances I think I'll ever see up, up and close was Connor McDavid. Uh, I remember him just, just hanging over the bench uh, with one leg on the, on the bench, one leg just ready to hop on the ice at all times. Uh, and he was, you know, you know, within touching distance. And his speed and play, I mean, it was fantastic to watch. So, I mean, I, I would say that, but in terms of a of a battalion standpoint, it has to be that Kujawinski overtime winner. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, I didn't see it uh, until the Jumbotron afterwards, but an overtime win against the Barry Colts, uh, you know, at home, it was, you know, the way the crowd gets behind them, and you just felt when, when, when Poirier won it behind the net, dropped it up to Mutri, it was a two-on-one. And and that's and that's as far as I saw because as soon as the, the puck left Kuchinski's <laughs> stick, right. uh, you know Kuchinski fires that slap shot over Mackenzie Blackwood. But yeah, in terms of the best experience, you'll you'll never you'll you'll never be able to recreate that moment because you know I, I'm right down there. The, the the bench goes crazy obviously because that means they're they're two nothing up in the series. Uh, you know they get to go to Barry, which eventually they do, and 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 would win that. Uh, you know, it, it's it's all that that emotion of everything that that really gets to bring it. And then of course after that, I get to express that on the air. But you know, hearing the crowd go crazy, there it was it was so loud in here. I couldn't hear, hear myself think. Uh, you know, it, I've never been so happy to see the see the back of uh, I don't even know who it was <laughs> yeah. the back of goaltender for Barry. That's who I saw stand up, and uh, yeah, it was it was a fantastic atmosphere. And then of course I'm jumping out of the bench and running to the end to interview the first. Star. 
star, uh, which which would end up being uh, uh, Ryan Kujawinski. So it, it that that's got to be my best moment because you know I was fairly new to being between the benches, and mm -hmm. then having that playoff experience was was a whole another world to a regular season. And and then it, it is it's uh, you know you can talk to any North Bay fan, they remember that Kujawinski goal For because sure. it was it was such a such a monumental part of that season. And uh, yeah, it, it, that, that's probably my favorite moment in between the benches. Thomas, before you got into radio and, and broadcasting in general, is there any kind of sports moment that, that stands out to you where you thought, oh, I'd like to do that for a living, or has it just always been a lifelong thing? Uh, I mean, it's been a lifelong thing, and I haven't really told this to anybody, but <clears throat> when I was a kid, I would uh, you know play like NHL video games, and I would turn off the commentary and practice that part. I mean, you know, it was kind of a thing for me, and listening to some of... Probably some of the greatest calls you'll ever hear. I mean, you know, you want to be that next kind of guy. And I remember the uh, 2007 playoffs in uh, Sudbury. Uh, triple overtime against Belleville in the conference final. Matt Diaz scored the game winner. I was in the crowd. I had that feel. And I can only imagine what the call might have been from upstairs. So, I mean, it's moments like that where you, you know, want to get yourself immersed into the game. Mm -hmm. So that's what kind of influenced me to uh, get into radio because, you know, uh, just the love of the game and being in a hockey-rich city, that's the kind of career you want to take up, especially when you look up to guys like Stu Kernan, uh, uh, I mean, a bunch of the other guys like Jim Houston and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I mean, those are the kind of guys you look up to. So that's what kind of got me started uh, into the radio business. Right on. Um, let's uh, tie back into uh, the battalion now. Um, the season is winding down. As we sit here, there's 18 games left on the year, 10 on the road, uh, actually 11 on the road, and, and just seven more at home. But when you look at next year, is this a group where you feel that their prospects going into next season might be better than they were coming into this year? Or... Are you saying this team is going to need to make some moves, even be competitive? Where are you guys at on, on next year's squad? Defensively, no. They're, I mean, defensively, yes, they're ready. <laughs> to which question? <laughs> yes, there were three questions. Yes, no. <laughs> yes, they are ready defensively next year. No, they don't need to make defensive changes uh, trade-wise. Uh, offensively, absolutely. Um, you know, without being too harsh on the guys, when Mike Amadio leaves this team, and, and Matt Santos as well, because, I mean, he's the second leading scorer. Um, who's going to score the goals? Who's going who's gonna to get the assists? I mean, Brett, Brett McKenzie's having a good year, but let's not forget he was 10th overall pick. You know, he's, he's having as good a year as you'd expect from a 10th overall pick. He's not, having, he's not excelling expectations by, by my, my sources anyway. So uh, offensively, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really strange situation that this defense, Shankar, Shoemaker, Deneen, uh, Bruce, can all come back next year all seemingly be better. Cam Deneen even even have a, an NHL camp under his belt, probably have an NHL camp, probably even be drafted. Uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, you got to think that defense is going to be great next year. But offensively, um, you know, without calling out any names, there are a couple of guys that I think there's no way that guy's playing on the top line next year. So, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully guys like Kisslinger and Brazo can make a big step up. I've been really impressed with Kyle Potts, but again, Kyle Potts is, I think, is a defensive forward. I, I don't yeah. see him scoring a, a 20 goals in this in his in the next year. So, yeah, offensively, uh, this this team needs a lot of offseason work. Yeah, I gotta agree with Tristan. I mean, their defense, I think, might be set for next year. I mean, Cam Janine has been outstanding this year. I think he's second among rookies in uh, in uh, points, which is absolutely huge. Uh, their defense definitely ready. Offense 
definitely not. They're going to miss Mike Amadio. I mean, he's been such a great leader for this team, say with Matt Santos. I think another problem slightly might be uh, Jake Smith. I mean, you know, missing their number one goalie who's been with the team right. his entire career. I mean, he's going to be dearly missed in this city. Great goaltender. He's my favorite goaltender in this league. He's one of the best for sure. Uh, I mean, not having him next year, if he probably won't come back. I don't know. Uh, obviously, having him next year is going to be a humongous hole in that, but I think Jake Kement's going to do really well because I remember watching him play for the Sioux Thunderbirds in the NOJHL. Mm -hmm. Amazing goaltender. I mean, I knew he was going to get called up. I didn't think it would be with North Bay because, I mean, pretty sure Sioux St. Marie owned his rights at the time. But I think Jake Kement can... Uh, Fill the void for uh, Jake Smith next year. I don't know who they'll have next year as a backup, but you can only imagine. I think this team will be okay. It'll be a struggle. I think it'll be a dog's race to the playoffs mm -hmm. next year. They might be fighting with uh, Barry again next year. Of course, they're probably going to have another really strong team. Whoever gets uh, the first three overall picks are going to be really strong. Of course, Subri's probably going to be in that same spot. I think Subri will be strong next year to compete with. Uh, with guys like David Levin, of course, Connor Cummins going to his final year. Uh, Troy Dimpano is in the draft class this year with a bunch of other guys. Lazarchuk. Lazarchuk. Lazarchuk has been fantastic yeah. for this team. Uh, same with David Levin. I mean, what a story that he has. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the Sportsnet article just is the kind of story that makes you smile. So, I mean, it might be a struggle for North Bay next year. I mean, it's been so somewhat of a struggle this year. They probably will make the playoffs. I don't see them missing out. But next year will be... A different kind of year, you know, I think fans will just have to be patient with them and uh, just let them get back in the groove of things. Yeah, and, and to, to be really blunt, that doesn't mean you shouldn't, uh, you know, extend your season tickets because there, there's still a chance this team can do do a lot of good next year. Like I said, that defense, looking to next year, could arguably be the best defense in the yeah, OHL. absolutely. And, and we know that, that there's a lot to be said for good defense. And that's going to be huge if they decide to go with two young goaltenders, if I mean, Jake Smith isn't coming back, and if they decide not to bring back Jake Kement yep. and go with maybe a Garrett Forrest and a Matthew Aroniak, that defense is going to be huge for the development of a, their next big goaltender. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and, and not only that, uh, you know, the, the, the defense can also chip in offensively. You know, we've seen Mark Shoemaker really uh, flourish this year uh, on the power play. Uh, Cam Deneen, of course, we've seen what he can do offensively. So, yeah, no, this, this team isn't going to be – bad i think it might be a little bit of status quo maybe drop a little bit probably not going to win the division but you're going to make the playoffs uh so you know offensively it might be a bit of a struggle but in terms of defense i really believe this could be the best defense in the ohl next year absolutely all right on on to our next uh, part of the uh the podcast is where i like to kind of review the arena that we uh, just went to and that was the ottawa 67's uh td place first of all the area around TD Place is absolutely beautiful. Yes. I wish they could have done something like this in North Bay. They've got restaurants, bars, a movie theater, a mini mall, and it's all newer, and it's all within walking distance. There's a bus line that runs through there. There's tons of parking. Absolutely gorgeous. I think they call it the Lansdowne area, I believe. I believe so. They've got a shuttle that you can get there to. Um, I mean, it's way more easily accessible than uh, uh, Canadian Tire Center is uh, for the Ottawa Senators in Canada. But yeah. the 67's ring TV plays um, just a fantastic venue inside the city. Inside the rink, um, it, it reminds me a little bit of Peterborough. You've got the yeah. high back seating but behind one of the, or actually on both ends. Uh, Peterborough only has it on the one end. And then you've got 
um, two levels of seating on the one side and then just one level of seating on the other. And from where the broadcast booth is, they basically tarp off a section in the middle so that they can put a makeshift broadcast booth there because <laughs> the suites, which I didn't get to go up to, are in a mold infestation situation so accessible yes so because of the new construction they can't get to it so and they've also put in a bid for the 2018 memorial cup i think it's a rink that would be unique to have it in they would have to open up all the seating which they didn't do for the 67s rink but they've got beautiful scoreboard up there hd a bunch of smaller tvs that you can see everything from the sight lines were great and i and you know, I'm, I'm glad I get to call another game there coming up on Monday, yeah, on yeah. Family Day Monday. But the only thing I, and I've had a problem with this since uh, doing these games three years ago, I do not like the 67's jersey with the white numbers really? on the white portion of the sleeve. <sighs> it makes, impossible. the way the lighting was at, this, uh, at TD Place, it was very reflective. So if they were on the far side of the ice and I couldn't see the back of their jersey, I had no idea who had the puck. I'll, so. I'll have to agree with you there. The jersey <laughs> is kind of hard to see, but... It's a nice jersey. No, yeah, yeah. it is. I, I actually have one at home. I got one a while ago. It's one of the old ones before they brought in the new Reebok Edge uh, era. So Right. Great jersey. Yeah, so that's uh, that's my review of the Ottawa 67s rank. And before we go, we like to review the week that was for the North Bay Battalion. A loss to the Sioux in regulation and two overtime losses to Niagara and Ottawa. Gentlemen, your guys' take on the battalion week that was. Yeah, I mean... It's uh, you know I talked about it on the road broadcast of course, um, it's tough. It, it's tough to dissect. The road record is poor, no doubt about it. Uh, you know th I just found out today that at home they have the best home record in the East. So you know when you look at the road and and it's not that strong and you get two two points out of two games, arguably you'd be okay with that. You know although you know. And the way you got to look at it is they stole a point from Niagara going to overtime. They took two points from two games. It's it's not the end of the world. You know, mm -hmm. you 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 wouldn't mind taking that if 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 you'd have lost to Ottawa but beat Niagara, I I don't think anyone would have complained either. So it's two points, two road games. I I have to agree. I mean, playing against Niagara, it's really tough. Of course, I think they're going for a bit of a run this year, uh, getting all those acquisitions, especially Alex Ndalkovich from Flint Firebirds. One of the best goaltenders in this league. I mean, you know, if you get uh, if you take Niagara to overtime, that's pretty big. But uh, of course, that loss to Ottawa was pretty unfortunate. Taking mm -hmm. the penalties within the last uh, few minutes of the game and all the penalties, especially playing on a much bigger ice surface. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a lot harder to uh, get important wins. And of course, uh, watching the broadcast, Stan definitely wasn't happy with something after the game. <laughs> that's I right. think it might have been uh, one of those penalties. But you know, I think it was an okay week for them. Uh, you know, um, like Tristan said, you know. You'd be really happy to get overtime uh, points against teams like Niagara, but at this point of the season that you're in right now, you're on the home stretch. You need every point possible, especially when Barry's winning games and Mississauga is winning games too. I think those points are really important. I think this weekend should be a little different. Uh, of course, Saginaw here tonight is uh, in eighth place in the Western Conference. They've been struggling this year, but still a pretty decent team. Uh, of course, they don't have Sadaway anymore. Mm -hmm. But I still think this team can uh, make strides. And, of course, back in Ottawa on Monday, I think North Bay is going to exact their revenge. I think they might be able to walk out with two points in that one. So I think this is a really, really important stretch for North Bay in order to get a really good playoff spot. 
Yeah, so the North Bay Battalion, as uh, Thomas said, Saginaw, Kingston, and Ottawa coming up this weekend. They're hoping for more than two points. Thomas, Tristan, thanks for joining me on the uh, podcast this week. Thank you very much for having us. Uh, thank you, Matt. And uh, we've got some work to do before tonight's game, so let's get to it. This has been the Battalion Blog Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Sucro, signing off.